Uh, so, Rod, got a special guest on uh, the R&R feature this week. Uh, so, Hello. a friend of mine, uh, Kev Waite, is joining us on the call. Hello, Kev. Hi, mate. How are we doing? Yeah, not too bad this morning. Not too bad. Uh, and whereabouts are you in the world at the minute? So, I'm uh, near Reading. So, yeah, I'm at um, my home in Reading moment i've been doing teaching i'm a personal trainer so i've been teaching online clients this morning so uh yeah yeah not too bad so the reason uh i sort of invited you on the pod uh is that you uh, sort of run a little bit of a business and a, and a something on this i don't know on the side is that the right word i don't know you run a business that <laughs> talks quite openly about uh mental your mental health your mental journey and also mental health sort of uh talking um in public public appearances and things like that is that right yeah yeah definitely definitely so um yeah i'm now technically classed as a international mental health speaker wow I've delivered a couple of talks to a couple of companies in australia so technically i'm not i'm not like obviously flying around the globe <laughs> you know doing all these uh, massive talks but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm quite happy with that title, to be honest. But um, yeah, I recently delivered a talk at Wembley Stadium. Um, and the idea was to then deliver talks at uh, the Olympic Stadium, the Emirates and places like that. Um, but because of this whole situation, that's all been put on hold at the moment. But um, yeah, and the idea was it was uh, a particular company that was organizing it. And I would deliver a talk to three or four hundred people at a time. Um, I've delivered talks to big companies such as Microsoft um and yeah i just yeah i just keep trying to to put the word out there really and talk about my own lived everyday experience um and tell it as it is really awesome so that basically paints the picture that you know what you're talking about right yeah. <laughs> and this is this this <laughs> situation this situation is very similar to wembley stadium so you'll fit right in it's fine <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly definitely so i think it's a good idea sort of at this point to uh, give your own background uh, potentially yeah. uh, and talk about your own story so sort of what's got you to where you are today okay so um, when I was a lot younger I had a lot of uh, drug and drink issues I was getting into a lot of trouble when I was younger um, I never really understood that I had a mental illness at that time um, you know you just don't when you're younger really and in in the society we live in, it was all brushed under the carpet even more, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So, um, yeah, I used to get into a lot of trouble. And then uh, when I decided to come off the drink and the drugs and go sober, um, I then started to realize that I've got some issues going on here and I need to go and go and get help. So it took me probably five or six years um, to get anywhere with the GPs, I had a really bad experience. Um, a lot of the time you walk in and they just say, well, you know, you're young, what you got to be worried about, go away sort of thing. So um, that took a while to, to get going with that. And I was put on loads of different types of medication because they thought I had some sort of anxiety problem or, or it was just depression. Um, but I always knew it was something more than that. Um, I then, finally managed to get to see the local mental health crisis team um and then i was referred on to a psychiatrist and then the ball started rolling really and i started to get more of an understanding of what i was living with um i had to see three different psychiatrists the first one didn't go well at all 
uh, we pretty much ended up in an argument. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, he was he was trained in ADHD basically. That was his background, and I got in the room and he he said to me, "Look, I haven't slept at all last night. Um, I'm not really with it this morning. You know, he stunk of coffee, and it was just like, and he was just." He was just not listening to me, really, and he just kept saying, "No, I think you've got this." And I was like, "No, I don't. I don't have that. <laughs> like, literally, I do not have what you're saying." But um, yeah, so I made a formal complaint, and then they put me in touch with another psychiatrist, and then it took, and then she wasn't quite sure, so then we saw another one, um, and I finally got diagnosed with bipolar disorder. But it's uh, it's a bipolar disorder type two um, that I have. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. And careful, like, just... Go on, Rob. <laughs> we've done this already that, that's in- yeah we've, we've done this like three times already <laughs> okay so like thanks for sharing that i think that's you know there's a lot of stuff to one pick in that i guess and you probably have done quite extensively um i just what one question um for you is what what is your condition what is bipolar type 2 can you, can you yeah. maybe just walk us through sort of the key symptoms and, yeah. and aspects of things to think about so it's characterized by an extreme change in emotion from one moment to the next. Um, when I was younger, my emotions would change like every five, ten minutes. They were really, really intense and very short in time, the distance between the two. So um, the emotions that you go through, they're known as phases. They're like two phases, basically. You've got the low phase, which is manic depression, uh, suicidal thoughts, um and all that sort of stuff that's involved with that um and then you got the high phase which is extreme euphoria um extreme anxiety you want to do everything now your your mind's racing you you know and all that sort of stuff so it's characterized by these two phases bipolar type one you're the the lows are the same as type two but the highs are different type uh, bipolar type one you will start to believe that you have superpowers or you can fly and all these sort of things. Sometimes I wish oh. I, I believed that. To be um, <laughs> and then bipolar type two, I don't quite get the same highs as that. Um, I get the same lows, so I get the manic depression, but I don't get the same highs. Um, and then um, below bipolar type two is something called cyclothymia, which is basically where your moods can change from like a week to a month. So one week you could be feeling fine, next week you could be feeling bad. So there's different types of it, really. Wow. And I, I think that's a and, uh, that's a really important yeah. or, or an interesting uh, discussion in itself. Is and I sort of where broadly uh, I was hoping to head the direction of, the, of this chat as well was about uh, the fact that if you just talk to someone on the street about mental health, they won't have a clue about any of those distinctions. They also no. probably won't be able to distinguish between the term mental health and mental mental illness either um and for, i've even learned something just talking to you now uh mm. and i'm someone that i would like to think is broadly switched on when it comes to to mental health uh and it's sort of it is mental health awareness week uh but what does that actually mean <laughs> yeah it's a difficult one isn't it because um i think you know, I think you saw my video this week, Rob, where I said about we don't have a, a physical health awareness week where we just talk about physical health as such a big, broad term. It's always it's always broken down into individual problems, um, because with your physical health, you could have something like a strained muscle all the way up to having cancer or a heart 
condition or something, you know? Yeah. It's such a broad term. And I think with physical health, <clears throat> we talk about individual illnesses. And I really think that mental health as a term is so misleading. Um, and there's so many different types of mental illness that you can have. Yeah. Um, but we obviously all have mental health. We all have it. But it depends on what type, you know, if, you, if you've got an illness or whether you're just looking after your mental health, you know, there's a difference between that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's the, it's the, 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 the term awareness is, is, I think, where potentially the issue is. I think awareness is, yeah. is, is sort of fine, uh, but, but it doesn't really help, does it? <laughs> no. but being but the, aware the benefit of benefit is that that we end up talking we, because it's created an awareness we do we exactly. end up having chats like this you know that that's the good part of it that it, that really is but i meet a lot of people that tell me that they've got bipolar disorder and i'm like oh right okay so um when did you get diagnosed you know what type of medication do you take da, 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 da. they have no idea <laughs> and it's like it's like they've heard something about bipolar and gone right i have that and it's and it's that's quite a dangerous thing, I think. It's like Doctor Google. Yeah, pretty much self-diagnosing, you know. That's actually quite scary. The fact that that people are doing that, though, isn't it? Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I think it's really scary because the you know this, like I said, there's different types of it, and I had to go through years of assessments and seeing the right psychiatrist, getting the right diagnosis. It takes years sometimes, so it is quite frustrating when I hear people say, I mean, I, I've got empathy for them. I've got sympathy for them because they've obviously got an issue, but I think the term mental health kind of misleads people in that, in that way. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, I, I just, just on what you, what your, your journey, Kev, something that struck me is how many people you've seen about this mm. and actually it sounds like you could almost opinion shop, right? So, yeah. I mean, you, you were lucky enough to know how to articulate how you felt and some of your symptoms. And so you knew when someone said to you, it's ADHD, mm. that you, you felt that was the wrong diagnosis. But if we've got a, a medical profession that struggles to diagnose this stuff, yeah. we haven't got hope, right? I mean, that's, that's so I, I wanted to just maybe, maybe just to sort of, some perspectives from you on what how do you think the medical profession has has responded to this sort of surge of understanding mental health it's it's difficult really because everyone's experience is is different of of the system really um and like you say it depends on how well you know yourself and how well you can articulate what issues you have and a lot of the problem especially for blokes we can't articulate these things usually, you know, and we go to a doctor and we, we're so scared stiff sometimes of going to a doctor anyway. And if they then say to you, right, you've got anxiety or you've got depression, you just go, oh, okay, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll take that. And, that, and you, know, you go away because you don't want to bother them. You don't want to, you know, but I got to the point where I was like, no, I've got to really fight for this and really change things. So it is really depressing, really, that, that the system is that bad. Um, mm. There needs to be so much more investment. There's, and I think there is, I think there is. Maybe that's the good part of creating mental health awareness weeks. Maybe it is encouraging the system to improve. Um, generally though, from my experience, the younger doctors and psychiatrists I saw were much better. 
right. because they've yeah. just been quite, I think they're more aware of mental health, whereas the older ones were just very stuck in their own ways and it was difficult yeah. to break You've, you've got depression, just cheer up a bit, come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what's wrong with you? You're a young man, like, what's, what's wrong? <laughs> So it's almost generational, potentially a generational mm. thing. It's almost it's it's almost agnostic of, you know, whether you're whether you're a medical professional or not. Actually, this is a cultural thing as a as a as a set of you know as a sort of cohort of society. Younger people understand this more. Yeah, it's definitely. really interesting. Definitely. I remember going to a GP, and he said to me, "So how do you feel?" I said, "Well, it changes every five minutes," and I said, "It doesn't," and it's really extreme. It's changing all the time. And he's and he was like, no, just put it in a nutshell to me. Tell me how you feel overall. I said I can't because it's changing drastically. Yeah. And he just wouldn't listen. And then I was like, and he just then said, oh, you've got depression. Here you go, take this antidepressant. Um, and yeah, you know that, that's that's an issue as well because my my illness, I change every hour roughly. Um, you know, I wake up. I always wake up in a very manic depressed state. Um, right. I know, and this is the thing with, with waking up like this, we all get those days where you wake up and you think, I just can't be asked today, I can't be asked to get up. <laughs> but it depends how extreme that is. And with me, it's like it, the illness has got me pinned to the bed and it won't mm. let me move. Um, and all that's going on in my head is take your own life, you know, this is too much. Da, da, da. So I have to go, right, that's the illness talking, it's not really me. And yeah. I, just, I just take a bit of time to just slowly get out of bed open the curtains make a cup of tea that sort of thing and remind myself that i can get on with the day so and that's every day yep every morning every single morning without fail it doesn't matter what i do during the day it's like someone comes along in the night and just takes all that Mm. and literally throws it out the window and says right start again start Um, from scratch every day it's like groundhog day (laughs) a lot of the time um yeah and then the next hour roughly i then get really hyper and have loads of energy and that's when i'm most productive so that's when i do all my business work and all my mental health work i'm really productive but you've got to be careful in those times because you become very anxious so you've got to try and calm that anxiety down um and then the third hour is when i kind of balance out um but i wouldn't have that third hour if i didn't take the right medication if i didn't do the right things um and if i didn't learn how to manage it i wouldn't get that third hour um, but it goes up and down like that all day, all day. And so, you so, t- so where are you now, Kev? Are you in hour three or are you well into um, the day? How are you feeling? Yeah, so I got up at around sort of nine-ish, so it wasn't great. And then I started my classes, uh, my sessions at about quarter to ten. And this is the thing, I have to make sure I wake up a good amount of time before I start teaching clients because could you imagine having a PT session and the PT turns up and he's like, nah, <laughs> uh, I can't be asked with any of this. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then um, so now I'm balanced. I'm, I feel yeah, I feel fine right now. Mm. So um, yeah, but I know probably in an hour's time I'll start feeling really low again. So yeah. Do you find that that keeping yourself busy uh, has any effect on those moods? Like doing things like this, does yeah. does that sort of distract your mind from where it's at, or yeah. is it sort of in the background doing its own thing? I see doing things like this and everything else that I do, I see it as fuel for that third hour. So if I can build up enough of this fuel, that third hour is great. And I can feel relaxed and balanced and I feel like I'm in control of the illness. If I didn't do things like this, 
I know I just slowly yeah, yeah. get worse and worse again. So that's interesting. You're you're, ba- you're basically important. keeping the fuel tank balanced. Sort of. I like yeah. the analogy of that. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's it's not the act of doing it that is helping, but it it yeah it's it's adding. It's a cumulative effect of doing stuff. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it all builds up, and it's all the it's all the self help things like exercise, and I'm an art I'm an artist as well, so I create mental health themed artwork. So doing yeah. things like that, I I keep a journal a lot of the time, write down how I feel, you know, and try and practice mindfulness. I mean, I don't I'm not a Buddhist monk or anything, but I'll do sort <laughs> of I'll do ten minutes here and there, and then I get bored of it. So um, I've yeah. got to be honest, mate. When I saw you, I think it's, you're the furthest from a Buddhist monk I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, although if you'd have come on an orange rave, I wouldn't have. Yeah, I would have raised an eyebrow. But yeah, if I um, come on again, funny. I'm going to dress up as a Buddhist monk. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kev, we were just—it's interesting. Earlier on, so we we did a bit of a pre-record before this. We were talking about bullet journaling, mm. um, and we're trying to get—you know—I I practice it quite a lot. Uh, I'm trying to get Rob into it. Okay. Um, is that something that you use extensively, or do you have your own sort of version of it? Yeah. So on my phone, I've got about. 20 to-do lists and as soon as i come up with an idea then i categorize it it's different to-do lists and it's all on there so i never i try to never let anything go i always try and put it down into into bullet points like that um but yeah when i write when i write a journal i try to turn it into more of a story because it just feels a bit more creative and i find if if i'm creative then i feel like i'm closer to solving the problem i think yeah, but I'm glad that that works for you. I think a lot of people are trying to do these things now, which is which is great. Yeah, and I think I'd, I'd, I'd love to get your view on this. I think actually the discussion on mental health as a topic is is definitely gathering pace, but, you know, really quickly. Mm. Um, I I wonder whether it's there's so much information. So even if you take bullet journaling as an example, there's hundreds of books you can buy to understand mm. it. And even Rob was saying, and I don't, if you want to give your perspectives on this, Rob, like it's it's actually a really difficult thing to start because you have to almost read a hundred page book to understand how to write a to do list in a in a certain way. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if that's indicative of the wider conversation, which is there's so much material out there. Yeah. Where do I where do I start? I don't know. What's your views on that? I think. Uh, sorry, Rob. Did you want to? No, no, you're fine. But but I I did, I did just want to sort of introduce myself as the guinea pig in this uh, for bullet journaling so i don't do it and, and we're using this podcast as a bit of a uh, a journey for me to try and start actually sorting my life out <laughs> <laughs> it's a catalyst it's gonna start now exactly yeah. um yeah i think i think the thing is we live in the age of information don't we where there's just so much information out there we i mean you, all you've got to do is look on your phone and you can access any information about pretty much anything um straight away and i think i think yeah i think we can get overwhelmed by information sometimes i think i think and then we lose ourselves in that i think it's finding finding that a way that suits you as an individual so to try and keep a journal or try and keep to-do lists in a way that suits you because otherwise you end up putting added pressure onto an already stressful situation Mm. I uh, yeah, I it's interesting. I, I the the being overwhelmed like yeah when you search something, it just puts you off though, doesn't it? It's yeah. like you look at like this thing with this bullet journaling. Like Rod said, like have a go at this. You search it, and it's just 
it's a like it's pages and pages of it. There's the as he says a hundred books on it, ten thousand way different ways to do it, and then the the really useful bit is where you just sort of write it the way you want to write it, like you, yeah. you make make it up yourself, and that's the useful yeah. bit. Was that's hidden in bloody millions of pages. Yeah, uh, and it's it's, it's got nearly to be an individual process, isn't it? It's got to be your it's got to be your journey because you're the one who's living this. But that's what know? makes me sort of nervous, sort of about the current situation. You sort of this mental health awareness week, uh, and then you're, you're you're delivered with like every company's got their different things, different initiatives, trying to do this, do this, do this. And as Rod says, it's just sort of information overload, uh, yeah. and it sort of makes me a little bit worried that that then makes people worse. Sort of they're aware yeah. of it, however. What do I do? I've got absolutely no idea. I look at this yeah. list and it's different to this other list that I've got. And then I look on the ITV news and they're doing something else. And it's like, what? Well, I don't, I don't know. And and then ultimately, what we talked about earlier was uh, the fact that then when you go and get help, you actually sort of make that big bold step to say, I've got a problem. I need some help. Uh, mm. And then the people that are delivering the help don't like are giving differing opinions as well. So that whole journey from thinking. Like I don't know, my, my mind's not in a good place. To getting a diagnosis just sounds horrific. Yeah, <laughs> for, it, really for... it really is. Yeah, it's, it's not good at all. It's not, and it, and like I say, it took me years. But you you could find that with physical illnesses as well. There's people out there that have underlying issues, and they go to doctor upon doctor and never get diagnosed properly, and then you know that that becomes an issue as well, doesn't it? I think I think in society as a whole, it's a problem. You know whether yeah. it's mental illness, physical illnesses, you know. But you sort of wonder whether whether the the overload, like you always say, that like the, the the conversation is the main thing, and you're talking about it. But mm. potentially, it's it's unless something's happening as a result of it, it's not helping. I it, I don't know. That's that's nearly a controversial view. But uh, if you're talking about it so much that people then start worrying about it, and then there isn't the help sort of once you've signposted them to say oh go and look at this stuff but then that's no use that's nearly making you're sort of adding fuel to the fire yeah yeah and i think a lot like this week especially on social media i've seen so many people post stuff about mental health and i'm like but what is your message in that yeah it, it's like it's such a it's like a trendy thing now to do and and i think I think a lot of companies as well, I've experienced it firsthand with companies where they tell me what I can and can't say um, because they're just trying to tick a box, basically. Yeah. You know? We had an experience, Kev, so, so, so my company is one of those big companies and they, I get the sense they, I'm not going to say who it is, but I get the sense they do care to a certain degree, right? right. Now, I appreciate that care only extends to the balance sheet, but <laughs> let's go with that they care, right? And we had Mental Health Week last week, and I have, I have a colleague, and we talk quite extensively about this. I, you know, I, I used to speak to her quite a lot when I was going through the process with my mother. Yeah. Um, and there was an exercise last year as part of Mental Health where you'd wear a badge and you could write anything you want on it, but the idea was you'd write something like, I have suffered with X, Y, Z, come and talk to me about it right now now my colleague has had a very acute set of circumstances that have sort of brought up some really deep issues yeah and so she wrote i've had uh deep family trauma when i was younger i now suffer from suicidal thoughts and um uh severe anxiety i think she wrote 
and the discussion happens, but I feel like people aren't equipped with the next step, yeah. which is like, okay, so we've had this chat, so you've had suicidal thoughts, okay. Mm. What can we do to help? Like, you know, and even then, and that's part of the reason for doing this, yeah. even then I was like, I just don't feel equipped to have the next sentence in my mouth. Yeah. And I, d- I don't know what your perspective is. Is that the next step for us as a as a society? Is to is for us to all know that next step? Should we all be, um, you know, should we all be going through extensive training on this? So we could, you know, almost as if, you know, we, you know, when you're in scouts and things like that, you, you know, you're taught how to put people in the recovery position. Should we be doing something similar for the range of mental health issues we see? Yeah, I mean, now there's so many mental health first aid courses out there and I, I know a lot of companies now are taking that on board which is incredible I think that's amazing that people are doing that but I think the biggest thing in all this is that we we are very much in a society where if there's a problem we try and fix it like we, we try and look for the solution straight away like it's a quick fix um, the problem is with mental health it could be years of build-up for someone to get that bad so it's not mm. I, there's no quick fix that will sort all those years of issues that's built up to that yeah um i'm now doing a course to become a counselor and the biggest thing we're learning right now is listening and not giving an opinion um and that can be even more powerful just using silence to go right i don't understand this i've never been through it but you tell me how you're feeling just tell me all about it tell me how you're feeling um and not feeling like you then have to go right shit okay uh (laughs) What do I suggest? Like, you know, that sort of thing, because that puts more anxiety into the situation. A lot of the time, people know the answers. They've just got to talk it through. I don't know about you guys, but as blokes as well, I think it's built in us as well to try and sort situations. And if we don't know an answer to something, we just we go, right, we're not talking about that. I agree. I think that was really... Uh, the thing that struck me there was the whole... the the people everyone's got a different story in life haven't they a different journey to where where they've got that gets them to where they are now uh and and part of sort of being another person in that conversation is un, is appreciating that is appreciating yeah. that fact but the thing that really struck me what you said was about there's no quick fix and and i think that's that's nearly something that is is fairly obvious when you talk about it but yeah. but when you are talking to someone that maybe is a like has some issues you sort of want to help them don't you uh yeah and but you sort of need to help them by not doing anything you just you just need to listen yeah, just and be consistent with it so yeah. i think i think a lot of the time like when for, for me with my mental illness i feel very guilty a lot of the time that i have it and when you're feeling guilty about something you become isolated and when you become isolated you get worse and worse and worse and a lot of the time why people take their own lives is because they've become so isolated and felt so guilty about it that they can't even own up to it themselves you know that becomes an issue so i think if i was then to open up to a mate about it and we had a conversation it was all right or whatever there was no answers but it was fine i'd opened up and then that mate never talks to me about it again then i feel like whoa like oh my yeah Yeah. you should feel guilty for what you've got you know so i think it's remaining consistent you don't have to find the answer straight away you can just listen and then check in with that person again in a couple of days and say how's it going you know just just be consistent with it i think 
that's uh, that's really insightful. Uh, that for me, I've I've never sort of considered that as a as a consequence of of listening, uh, and then not following up. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah, a lot of the time we go right. We've done that. <laughs> we've dealt with that. Well, the trouble is, because yeah, yeah, I'm an engineer, that's sort of how my mind works as well. It's like you yeah. you, have a, you have a problem, you fix it, and then you move on to yeah. the next problem. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's where the problem with my mind is as well, is in terms of, like, you want to find the fix, but that you sort of have to unravel the story before you find the fix, right? Yeah, 100%. Watching Rob play golf is like watching a mechanic (laughs) tinker with a a car, seriously. So he will, he'll hit a shot and it will do something and then he'll be talking to himself for like a hole. A whole, you know, like 400 yard walk, he will sit there and talk to himself and go, yeah, I wonder if my wrist was there, I wonder if there. And so actually he gets himself, it's almost, it's a similar journey to the one you were describing about, um, you know, something happens, then you go further isolated, whatever. He just, yeah. sorry, Rob, I know you're still in the room, but I am just, you know, just Character assassination. He, almost re- he retracts into himself, right? Yeah. And, it, and he gets, if he hits bad ones, it gets worse and worse and worse. And it's yeah. almost like a cycle. It's really interesting. It's like an inwards like breakdown of every single thing you're doing. Inward yeah. and downward, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cheers, mate. That's all right. That's fine. Kev, have you, those, are, are you a golfer, Kev, at all? I've tried to play golf a few times. I get bored. I get. <laughs> I can't like my hand-to-eye coordination is shocking. Like I'm terrible. I get so bored. Yeah, I've got a very short attention span. You sound just like Rod. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> golf, golf f- fishing, stuff like that. Uh, I'm not, yeah. yeah. So, what, so, so, go on, go on, go on no. Rob. No, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Kev, so from a, obviously you've got your um, business there, which is obviously yeah. very physical anyway. I was just going to ask you generally sport and physical health and things like that. What are the things that you use to, 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 to manage this condition? Well, I've always, um, I've always sort of dabbled in boxing. So I've always been in and out of, of boxing, really. Just nothing to a high level or anything. But just, yeah, so I, I find that, well, I can't at the moment because the gym's shut. But going to the gym and just having a half an hour or 45 minutes on the punch bag is better than having a two-hour conversation with someone. Because sometimes you've just got to let that frustration out and just let it come out. The alternative to that is heavy weightlifting. I find that the feeling that you get from lifting something heavy and then dropping it is amazing. Um, so those are the two main things that I do, really. I used to, when I was younger, I played a lot of football, and I played to quite a good level as well. I played a lot of it. Um, so that okay, was always... Don't be shy. Come on. Let's have a name <laughs> drop. Come on. So I had trials for Southampton Football Club. Awesome. Um, annoyingly, my brother had trials as well and he got further than me <laughs> but um yeah, yeah i could feel the story unraveling back. i thought I'd mention, <laughs> i thought i'd mention that because he'll probably listen back to this but um yeah and then i, I went into football coaching after that so um i actually coached for southampton football club because i oh, i cool. live i live down there but um yeah so sport has always been a big part of how I live with what I've got um, and also I enter things like Tough Mudder and stuff like that quite often um, so yeah yeah, it's always a, a big deal for me if I don't work out then I definitely feel a lot worse and how are you managing that so obviously with the lockdown situation we've got and it's pretty unique and, and gyms are closed and boxing clubs closed whatever how are you yeah. managing those things uh, at this time 
so because I've got all my own equipment from the job that I do in my van, I just literally where I where I'm living, I just get all that equipment into the garden and and do stuff. But it, it's it's nothing. I haven't. Yeah, I'm not. It's no. It's not working out to the same level, but yeah. at least it's something. Um, and I've actually been doing more running lately as well. So I'm getting out and doing more running as well, and I find that really helps me as well. So yeah, exercise is massive. It's massive. So important to mental health. You've been running as well, haven't you, Rod? But yeah, up until about a week and a half ago. So, so Kev, I'm. This might not make it in the pod. I am six foot four, and I I play basketball. So anything right. over about a hundred feet, I'm not interested in. <laughs> um, and so, you know, Rob. Rob's a very accomplished runner. We've also got another friend called Andy, who's a very good runner as well. So I'm very much. Uh, I'm very much the power athlete, and so anytime <laughs> I sort, of, it's a bit like you. It's like, oh. Well, I better go for a run then, mm. um, and I just can't. I just can't seem to get my. I can't seem to get healthy. I just get injured like within yeah. three or four weeks. I had a pop last week, so it's frustrating <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, when I you bet. see these boys, they just zip out for just a casual eighteen k job, I know, right? And it looks so easy. It looks so yeah. effortless, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but even that is like a nice. Um, you know, I I have to stay sort of almost blinkered on it and, and look at the achievement I've made. So if yeah. I run 5k, that is the same as Rob running like a quick 10k or, yeah. you know, whatever. And, uh, yeah. It's interesting to see how social media has kind of both mm. helped that and, and probably damaged. But we, we, we did well. talk about it on previous podcasts as well, that, that the fact that like you, 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 you fear or you have the, the sense that other people will see your achievements and, and pass judgment on them sort of 99% of the time people don't actually care what you do so it, you sort of need to rein that in the, the fear that other people are going to judge you for what you're doing and just completely mm. just you're doing it for yourself no 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 yeah. one else like people will maybe see that you've done a run or because you posted mm. it and but they don't care how good it yeah. is it's yeah. like it's the act of going for a run that is the main thing yeah and and also how that relates to mental health is that if I if I'm feeling sh- and beaten down by my illness, and if I go out and do a run, or if I go out and lift some weights or punch bag or whatever, I'm showing myself that I can do something. You know, whether that be exercise, artwork, whatever it is, show yourself that you can actually achieve things. And then what that does is it it basically says to the illness, doesn't matter what you say and tell me what to do, I'm going to do the opposite, and I'm going to show you that I'm doing the opposite. Um, I think that's massive when it comes to exercise and mental health. It's showing mm. yourself that you can do things, you know. Hundred mm. percent. And Kev, just just a quick question in terms of your support network. So yep. you know, I I certainly haven't had uh, the mental health issues that you, you've described, but you know, I've had some general anxiety and and some things linked to you know the events of a couple of years ago. Yep. Um, I've found the support network. And the right support network to be absolutely crucial. So I just yeah. wondered what your support network was like around you through this. So support is so it's so important that like I've so I've been close to taking my own life probably three or four times now. Um, I was close to it a couple of months ago. I was actually I was actually at the side of a river and I was going to jump in and take my own life. But the support network was so important at that time that it made me afterwards create a list on my phone of all the people I should call when I'm at that point. 
So I now feel more equipped. I now feel like, right, I'm going to call the crisis team, the mental health crisis team. I'm going to call two or three mates that really get it and understand it. And then I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to try and then manage it and get better again. So mm. that is so important. And I, t I spoke to um, a guy who's an ex-drug addict in the other day, and he was saying the people that he surrounds himself with are the people that save him when he's about to literally crash back into it mm -hmm. so it, it is so important but what also is part of a support network is the medication you take so if you take medication for an Ill, like i do i take i take what's called an antipsychotic. so it sounds pretty bad um but it's basically it balances out the chemicals in my brain and i see that as a part of my support network as well so yeah it's really important yeah amazing I, it, it, it's a wonderful segue back to the world of bullet journaling as well i think <laughs> you, God, your phone must be overflowing there's no room for music it's just lists <laughs> i just think that 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 surely it, that's that's amazingly powerful even if even for, for for anybody like people that maybe think they don't have a mental health illness to sort of mm. even just write down who who you trust like who, who your close circle is that if you were ever to get yourself in that situation like no one can predict that, can you? You can't predict. Oh, I'm going to have a suicidal thought today. Just write it down. Yeah. Like, should you? Like, it's preparing for it, isn't it? Uh, it's self care. It's exactly. self care. And the thing is, if you if you've got diabetes or any kind of thing like illness like that, you probably have an emergency thing on your phone to tell. Yeah. Or, I think I think people with diabetes they have an emergency thing where they can say to someone, inject this, basically, if I yeah. if I've passed out. So it's a similar thing. I, I see it as really. I think we've got a product there somewhere. There you go. <laughs> There's a business brain gone in. It's fine. I've decided enough formatting this pod, producing this pod. <laughs> yeah, fo focus on this first, mate. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't, yeah. I've never ever. I've... I've never even thought of that before. That's a, that's. Yeah. I think that's a, an unbelievable another unbelievable insight i've got loads of stuff on this list already we've talked about that's think... the thing when someone but the problem is when people talk about mental health you don't you don't get these insights all you no. get is confusion all you get is confusion and oh all i keep hearing is this but what exactly does it mean rod have you got anything it's... else uh, you want to talk about um i was only going to say Kim, i think we probably answered it anyway but i'll give you another opportunity um what do you think the biggest in, in society today what do you think about what do you think the biggest misconception is about mental health apart from the point of saying that you know we talk we talk about mental health as a big block rather than some more granular things yeah um i think there's a massive issue actually with um being scared of people with mental health problems i think the presumption is that if you've got a mental illness you're dangerous you're scary you could you could cause damage you could be a murderer you could be this you could be that and that's the old fashioned way of going, oh, he's a nutter. So years ago, people would have just said, oh, Kev, yeah, he's just that nutter. He's just an idiot, you know, that sort of thing. And that's where that comes from, I think. And I think the problem is when, as human beings, when we're not sure of something and we don't understand something, we are scared of it. It's just a reaction, it's just a defense mechanism. So I think the more education there is and the more conversations like this there is, then people become less scared of it and start to understand it more. I think that's broadly broadly why we're doing what we're doing as well, is it sort of doesn't really matter how many people tune in. 
Well, it does, yeah. but it doesn't. <laughs> uh, it does for the adverts, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but I think a bit. I think look, me and Rob are sort of sensible enough to know that we've had some issues. But if if we're gonna talk about mental health, and I'll, and I'll use that phrase for now because I appreciate that there's you know we've got some thoughts on that. We we appreciate we don't know everything, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the key is that we we've had some thoughts and issues, but as you say, there's there's a hundred. I mean, there's there was you were talking about three different versions of what you what you have yeah. as a condition, right? Mm. And that's that's one condition of many hundreds of conditions that you may have that yeah. are driven from mental health. So mm. so we're not, you know, arrogant enough to think that we know that. And I think what we want to try and do is give other people confidence to ask those questions and think about it rather than just, yeah. you know, yeah. I've you know, I felt a bit bad this morning. I didn't want to go into work, so therefore I know everything about mental health. It's mm. I think it's a journey for all of us, right? Yeah, definitely. I think if it's, ta- I think as well, if it's taught more in schools and things like that, it just becomes part of your education. It just becomes part of something that you just learn about and understand more. You know. Mm. I sort of Amazing. Bro- I, broad- um, I broadly think that there aren't enough people that know enough, mm. uh, and that's sort of the, the the next step is is for people to know a bit more rather than just yeah. be aware. And I think that was that's broadly the headline I'm sort of going for for today is sort of aware, awareness is fine, but but we sort of must start need to need to educate ourselves a bit better. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think I think this whole awareness about mental health has had it's come on leaps and bounds in the last few years. It really has. But now now people are more aware of it. Like you just said, Rob, people have really got to now try and educate themselves more and understand individual illnesses more. Um, it's like you said, Rod, as well. There's so many different types. You could have personality disorder. You could have schizophrenia. You could have loads. There's so many different things out there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's important as well. But talking about it is the biggest thing. And if if people like myself keep coming out and talking about these things, then hopefully there'll be more education there. I think as we go through sort of what we're doing with this pod as well, uh, if you're up for it, I think we should have sort of more chats with you as well. Uh, about yeah. sort of maybe specific yeah. topics if if, yeah. if you're game for it yeah more than happy more that'd be than awesome. happy to. that'd be really yeah, awesome mm. and you've got to think the amount of blokes that will hopefully listen to this now you and, know and, and i that... think as well as men as men we see it as a weakness we see we because we're always competing with each other as blokes it's just you know it's part of our makeup isn't it sometimes yeah and if we see a physical illness in one of our mates then we might you know take the piss out of that or something like that and it's the same, I think, with a mental problem. We see that as a weakness. But in my view, I'm battle-hardened by my illness. So I, I believe that I'm extremely mentally strong. I, I see myself as that. I don't see myself as having a weakness. Mm. Um, so it's, it depends what you see as strength. Yeah. And I mm. think men talking about their emotion and, and their mental health, that is a strength. It's not a weakness. Mm. Yeah. Agree, and I think that the, the targeting, talk like tagging it alongside with the discussions on the on the golf, uh, is is broadly the the, the we're, we're targeting the whole not not one specific demographic, but the the likely people to listen to the podcast are people that play golf, uh, yeah. and and that as a group of people, uh, probably as you say, they fit into the the typical sports. Uh, category of the, they don't want to talk yeah. about it they're, they're sort of if they yeah. do show a weakness then it'll be uh, sort of jumped on pounced upon and, and yeah. things like that 
Do you find when you play golf, do you find that you'll have conver- you'll obviously have conversations as you're going round, and maybe and that, things like this could could come up in conversation? And, and that, that's broadly what we're trying to promote. So that's that's where the two marry up. So so we're promoting. So golf, you you spend. Uh, if you're playing 18 holes, you're spending four to five hours, or almost three to five hours on the course, uh, yeah. and the the time that you're actually playing golf in that is very very small. So you're hitting a ball yeah. once every other sort of couple of minutes or something. Uh, so the opportunity a bit longer for you, Rob, if you're over analysing it so much. <laughs> but the ball goes so bloody far. I've got so long in between. Um, but basically, that the, the sort of those moments between the shots. Uh, there's a yeah. huge opportunity there for people if you know what you're trying to achieve with regards to sort of the discussion and and, and educating yourself on the topics then there's there's mm. so much to gain from it in terms of yeah. uh, positive mental health definitely and, and upon that as well I think I think when well when I was younger I think the thing is like when someone said they had depression or anxiety it's like oh god man you're so pathetic or like I think the I think there's a misconception that people with mental illnesses just sit around doing nothing, claiming benefits, da da da, da all these sort of things. And I, I mean, I work harder than a lot of people I know. I I work so hard every single day, and I always have done. So that's another misconception out there as well that people with mental illnesses are just basically trying to you know, sponge yeah. off people and do nothing, you know. And that's not always the case. It's probably the same with with. Uh, general physical health as well in that regard uh, some people actually are but <laughs> yeah anyway yeah that's a really and, and actually having reflected on that kev it it feels easier at the moment to to if you wanted to pull the wool over people's eyes and mm. say oh i've got a mental health issue yeah yeah you find up work and say oh, i'm not feeling it and actually yeah. it might be that they're suffering from something can't articulate, can't describe, doesn't understand, and actually they're suffering from something completely different. But, that's, but it all that, sits in the same yeah, yeah. kind of like boundary, right? That's one of the side effects of uh, sort of the awareness coming before the education bit is in place, though, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. one of the impacts is that loads, everyone's aware of it, but no one knows mm. about it. Therefore, you can get away with saying whatever. Oh, I say get away yeah. with, like you say, you, you probably do have something. However, you don't. Mm. I don't know. You can get away with. Oh, anyway, I said it again. And the, thing, and the thing, the thing is though, with with mental health, is it's nothing new. Like people have had mental health since the start of humanity. You know, we, we've mm. always had mental health to look after. Um, I know going back into history, like Vikings used to have people called berserkers, and they were basically seriously mentally ill, and they would just scream and shout at the enemy, and they would they weren't even they weren't scared of death. They weren't all these sort of things. So there's, there's been mental health problems since then. You know, there's, it's, it's always been going on. It's like, I know a lot of my family were in the military. So, and when they came out of the military, they had severe drink problems, this, that. So there's always been problems there. Mm. I didn't know that. I didn't know the Vikings had uh, chaps that they basically, right, do you fancy just shouting at the opposition and going up front? Yeah. yeah. Scream in their face, yeah. Why do you think I'm growing this beard? Next time we play, Rob, I'm just going to scream at you for nine holes and just intimidate you. You just need my lockdown beard. You, you just See, need I one of those helmets. Think about it then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. And 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 Kev, how are you coping? 
generally with lockdown i'm sure you've had this conversation a number of times but how are you dealing with it yes yeah, it's, it's a bit weird I'm, i've actually been like mentally i've been all right and i think it's <laughs> i think it's because all of a sudden everyone else is feeling things that i feel like not not wanting to leave the house being anxious about their health or being anxious about their life in general or their work or all these things that i go through every day other people are now feeling and i feel like I feel like there's safety in numbers now, really, with it. But um, yeah, and it's quite like COVID nineteen is it's obviously something we can't see. Just like mental illness is something we can't see, and mental illness kills much more people than COVID nineteen. Um, yeah, so it, they're invisible illnesses. So there's there's a relation there, and there's a relation in the fact that I feel these things. I feel other people are feeling now. So don't actually feel that bad i'm actually been all right i think you're uh i think rob definitely agrees and i think i probably agree apart from my waistline doesn't but, <laughs> uh, yeah like it, it, I, I found it a really fascinating fa- and i use that word i mean obviously we have to be you know we're obviously aware that people have lost their lives and it's very yeah. sad but yeah. it's been fascinating to see how different people have coped and, and i have a view that it has for some people it has exacerbated existing conditions mm. um physical and mental yeah. um and but i feel like you know I was, I was speaking to um uh work we had a someone who came in and spoke to us about it was a he was our sort of company psychologist mm. and he was saying there was an initial period of almost euphoria and, and um uh, adrenaline and trying to get everything set up and getting everyone working at home and oh god we've got to watch the news and this that and the other and actually now we're in a period where um you know you can't keep that adrenal sort of influx going mm. and actually you're in a period of sort of deflation um you know low mood that sort of thing lack of motivation and then you know the, the sort of third phase he was talking about was around actually you sort of learn from it yeah and you can go through this huge, big issue, global issue, and you can survive it. And it's brought people together. And I wonder whether with, you know, alongside that mental health becomes a key part of something, you know, people are exercising more, people are cognizant of that. And I wonder if, wonder if this is actually a good thing yeah. on that you, journey. I think, I think you just there. described my illness there, Rod. I think you've just described my illness. You, you first of all mentioned, you know the euphoria that feeling which is the high and yeah. then the and then the low part and then the balanced outfit that and that's and that's the thing it's so relatable and i think and i've talked i've talked to a lot of people with mental health problems during this time and they feel like they can actually relate now to something real yeah <laughs> you know it's like you that's know so powerful yeah. so powerful isn't it mm. wow yeah, massive massive but hopefully people i mean hopefully people become more you know, aware of their health physically, mentally. I think hopefully that's going to be a good positive to take out of all of this. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I'm, 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 I could do this all day, but I've run out of questions, <laughs> but I could do this all day. It's been brilliant. So, yeah, I'm more than happy to talk about it. Yeah. I never used to, never used to. I never used to mention it to anyone. Um, and my life now is so much more positive that I do talk about it and it's helped. And the fact that I can help other people is just incredible, mm. you know. And I think you are, mate. From you know, I watched some of your YouTube videos, and I, th- I, I think you're doing incredible work. Cheers, I really yeah. do. Uh, we need, we need another hundred thousand of you. 
yeah. to keep keep the movement moving. But um, that's brilliant, Rob. I'm I'm fresh out. Yeah, yeah. Fresh well, out well, of questions, well, mate. I think, I think we've uh, we've we've exhausted time as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, Kev, thanks so much for coming on uh, this week. Pleasure. And we yeah, will, massive thanks, Kev. Yeah. We will talk again. I think definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Cheers for having me on, guys. Really appreciated it. Nice one. Awesome. What do you think of that, then? Uh, it's one of the most informative hours I've spent in my life. I'm, I'm amazed by that. I mean, Kev is so open about his journey. And I don't know about you, I've learned so much in that hour. For, for two people that, that broadly are sort of fairly switched on within the subject of mental health, I just think it proves that you should never switch off that opportunity to learn, right? There's so much in there, and from the different perspective of someone that actually suffers from the illness, there's some insights in there that are unique, uh, and I hope that people found it useful. What did you find it useful? 100%. That was yeah, uh, yeah. I, it, so the, 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 even just to sort of the, there's some specifics in there, right? So the mental health we talked about this in the call, but, and we're, we're carrying on R and R a bit here, aren't we? But anyway, there's some specifics in there that you just don't get from like the the initiatives at work, the mental health awareness week at work. It just doesn't give you that insight that you're getting from from that chat. Uh, yeah. and, and that's broadly what we're, I guess, what we're trying to do with this podcast, isn't it? it yeah, for me, it's the, it's, it, and I said this at the back end of the call, well, we cut that anyway, aren't we? But for me, it's about, we can do all the reading in the world, Rob. We can look online at resources on mental health. We can, you know, you can even speak to a certain degree, you can speak to sort of doctors about this, but actually nothing will be and nothing will further your understanding more than discussing it with someone who's been through it. Yeah. Um, because I think, you know, and it almost comes back to the adage of you don't know what other people are going through. I mean, we literally don't. Like, it, what I call anxiety is could be very different to what you call it, anxiety and what you experience, right? So for me, that like getting that first person perspective is so crucial in the understanding of it. I'm, and I'm really pleased you know, I'm really pleased that Kev came on and shared that view. And I'm really, you know, I'm really, I'm really positive about his journey and what he wants to do. And it's very aligned to what we want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Agree. So I think that was a success. Our first ever guest, Bosch. Yeah, it was, it was great. Um, and guys, look, if you, uh, any observations or you want to get in touch uh, through the usual channels, also what we'll do is we'll put, uh, Kev's contact details. Kev's got his own YouTube channel, own website. Um, he does a lot, uh, as you heard in the in the call. He does a lot of talks, so whether that's corporate talks or private talks, um, and also has uh, his personal training uh, business as well. So uh, we'll put all the details on there. Get in touch with me. Get in touch with Kev. Uh, I'm sure he'd be willing to hear about some of your thoughts on the discussions. Um, but brilliant. Exactly. Spot on. Is that what are we done for this week then? Yeah, I think we're done. Oh, that's on. it. I'm pretty. Exa- I mean, I don't know about you. I'm pretty bloody exhausted. It was quite, a lot there. quite intense, wasn't it? Mm, it's uh, great though. What have you got on this week then, mate? 
uh, what, bank holiday Monday. That was my worst um, Norfolk accent I think I've ever done. What you got in this evening to meet? We got on, mate. <laughs> you um, so uh, we start our new challenge this week. So a lot of that. So the first week of it is really interesting because we get loads of motivation. We want to crack on and do it. Um, the diet means that you basically come off sugar quite quickly. Um, so you move to more like fresh foods. And so typically the first week, you might get this next week, you might hear me chattering my teeth, like grinding my teeth. Um, so it's always a, a difficult week. So hopefully all good. Um, but other than that, I'll be loads of exercise, um, bit of work, more of these, I suspect. More of these. <laughs> Isn't that Ricky's race? More yeah. of these. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and we'll... Um, yeah, but yeah, I think you said about yeah, Iona, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, so I just want to briefly update you on my uh, my training plan. Yeah. So, so it, it turns out trying to start a new training plan on the hottest week of the year so far, and then the windiest <laughs> week of the year so far, uh, isn't a very good idea. I'm all, I've already right. I've already messed up, but it's fine. I'm, I'm gonna, I, and it's all about not trying to play catch up. I'm just accepting it, and I'm gonna move on. But anyway, I'll touch. When you say you've messed up, I've not followed the plan. What have you done? I've not. I, I was too. <laughs> I, was, I was. I was too busy, and by the time I could actually run, it was either way too hot or too windy. And uh, yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about more next week. Yeah, let's talk about it next week. I want to see a positive upturn in that next week. Okay. You have promised to the nation that you're going to, <laughs> to tell the nation. Right, so yeah, I promised to all, all four of you that I'm going to tell you about this. But, but you promised it to yourself. And that's <laughs> that sounds like the perfect ending. May the links Lovely. effect be with you, Rodney. And also with you.